listeners. I know this episode is a little late in publishing, and I apologize for that. But I think the conversation you're about to listen to should more than make up for it in its sheer awesomeness. I've been rather busy with our new website, still thewellreadmage.com, but now hosted by WordPress.org. You should definitely check it out and let me know what you think. Uh, Feel free to subscribe to the new site too, so you don't miss any updates. We've pretty much been doing six days worth of content for the past many much months. Thanks very much to our patrons from Patreon, the Warriors of Light, for your financial support, which has helped us put together new shows and make this migration to WordPress.org a success. The sky's the limit for this concept, so if you like the show and the website and want to help by joining our family of mages and warriors, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage to check that out. For this episode, we're finally breaking the chrono mold. Uh, We've been in our chrono mini-series for the past four episodes, so for quite a long time. And as much as I enjoyed it, there are still lots more games to talk about. This time around, we'll be talking about Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, which I finished for the first time ever just recently. I'll leave a link to my critique of it in the podcast description so you can check that out too. My guests are Katie, aka Absolute Katie, the popular retro gaming streamer who you can find active across social media such as Twitch and Twitter, and also Ryan from Games with Coffee, who is a fellow mage and a writer and who is currently working on an epic fan fiction we'll hear a little bit about in this episode. I hope you enjoy the deep dive. We really tried to give what I think is a widely uh, misunderstood and misrepresented Zelda game as fair a shakedown as we could. Here's the show. Hey listeners, this is another episode of MageCast. I'm excited to be sitting down with two special guests today. Uh, my first guest is Ryan, a.k.a. Games with Coffee, a.k.a. the Hyperactive Coffee Mage. My second guest is Absolute Katie. Katie? Is Absolute your first name or is Katie your first name? Technically, it's Katie. Okay, technically. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so uh, both you folks are huge fans of the subject that we're going to be talking about today. I just became a huge fan of the subject that we're going to talk about today uh, fairly recently after several attempts to become a huge fan (laughs) of it. (laughs) But uh, before we get into that, let's just have uh, a little bit more introduction and talk about games you might be playing and themes you might be working on currently. So Katie, why don't we have you go first? Uh, Is there anything special that you're playing right now? Well, actually, I'm I'm playing uh, for the first time in my life, Link's Awakening. Oh. I, I, <laughs> it is amazing. Uh, I never played the original on Game Boy or Game Boy Color, and so I'm having just a ton of fun. That's awesome. Wind, winding my way through the whole story, and as I'm as I'm playing it on live streams, I'm hearing that the story is very and the gameplay itself is very reminiscent of the originals so they were very um true to the original while adding so much great just color and graphics and just fun stuff it's awesome oh, yeah. absolutely that i i really enjoyed that remake um link's awakening is my favorite zelda of all time so playing that again was just such a beautiful experience, but I'm really happy to hear that you're playing it for the first time. That's awesome. Um, cool, yeah. 
is there anything that you're uh, working on right now? So you're a streamer. Um, what are some of your goals for streaming? What's what are some sort of dreams that you want to accomplish with that? So um, I started streaming about. I don't know, I guess a few months ago in March or April. And one of my goals was really just to be able to reach people with my retro gaming collection. You know, my background is actually in film and uh, video. So okay. I have a lot of AV knowledge. You know, I've built television studios from the ground up, you know. Oh, wow. So um, it was a really nice um merger between my love of retro video games and my skill set in audio and video. So I had heard from, you know, some friends that, hey, you know what, you could probably stream those retro games. And I think you have the personality for it. And so I'm I've just been really happy with sort of the reception that I've gotten so far from the retro game community. And um, I just want to keep growing and keep, you know, building and making people happy by playing video games. That's awesome. Uh, the retro game community has just been a doll, I think. Uh, I really enjoy being a part of the retro gaming community. It, it kind of makes it sound like, but those modern gamers, you know, I don't <laughs> know. So, but but, uh, but <laughs> I talk to a lot of retro gamers and I think they're just cool folks. So that's awesome that you get to hang out with them. What is your favorite retro console? My favorite retro console is the TurboGrafx-16 slash oh. PC Engine. Oh That's my cool. God. I just really love all the games on there. I'm just a big fan of shooters. And, and I have a really funny, unique um, way that I joined the retro gaming community is that I wasn't really a gamer when I was younger and I was introduced to gaming by my husband, you know, just, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. Okay. So, so I'm seeing all of these gaming consoles and the, the games kind of for the first time. So, um, getting to see all these different genres, I, I just, gravitated towards shooters you know the vertical and and horizontal shooters and i just love them and turbo graphics has a ton of great games wow wow okay so i've never played the turbo graphics 16 uh that's the name right i think it has yes. such a strange name <laughs> but uh they're releasing the miniature version of the console soon uh and i'm definitely going to pick that up because i never never tried any of it um so, and most interesting here too, you mentioned that you weren't a gamer when you were younger, so you don't have any nostalgic attachment to retro gaming then. Is that correct? There's, there's some, there are okay. some games that I have nostalgic attachment. Uh, for instance, the game we're talking about today, Zelda two, uh, I watched my brothers play it and I loved the, I loved watching them struggle through it. And then now I get to play it and I beat it and I'm like, yes, I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Shove it in their faces. That's yeah, a great exactly. shove it in your face game. Definitely. It totally is. There's so such bragging rights to finishing that game. So I, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. That's cool. So yeah, we, you know, we just talked about a lot of nostalgia with Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. So it's really interesting to hear about, someone who's streaming these older games without so much of a 
an attachment of nostalgia to them. Um, so my other guest, sorry, Ryan, uh, you're still there, right? <laughs> oh, no, I'm oh, that guy, I'm that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, you've been on Magecast several times before. We've talked about, ooh, uh, Turtles in Time. Earthbound, Turtles in Time, Turtles in Time. Uh, Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild. So this is your quadrilogy appearance. Uh, we now have mm-hmm. a, a coffee quadrilogy. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you playing right now, sir? Um, so uh, I just uh, refreshed myself on uh, Zelda 2 to prepare for today's podcast. Heck yeah. Uh, How far did you get? Yeah. Uh, just about to hit the sixth palace. I was just doing some grinding uh, in the forests around uh, around the sixth palace. I have a really nice way of taking care of Lizalfos. This is within a few within a few seconds, so it's just easy grinding for me. I didn't even know you could kill them. Oh yeah, I know they're very easy to kill. <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh wait, no, 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 no. Those those are the orange. They resemble like lizards, right? Yeah, they're the orange okay. lizard dudes. Okay, I yeah, think it's I the red. That's easy. Oh, okay, I think it's the red Lizalfos that I was like, I don't know if you're going to try. Just forget it. Skip. <laughs> and they give less points, the red ones. Oh, yeah? So, and the orange, ones, the orange ones give 150, the red ones only give 100. So it's more well worth it to hunt the orange ones down. Jerks. <laughs> okay. So beyond Zelda 2, so you played that as a refresher. Uh, what were you playing before uh, that? Out of pleasure or anything? Uh, I well uh, before that I was uh, I played Link's Awakening uh, okay. got that day one and just just recently finished it. What did you think? It. it was absolutely okay. superb. Like it was a complete one to one recreation of uh, of the original, and I fell in love with the original. It was my very first Zelda game that I owned. Not okay. so Zelda two wasn't the first. It was Zelda uh, Link's Awakening that was my first on the Game Boy Color, and. Um, yeah, it just it just helped solidify my love for for the Zelda for the Zelda franchise. That's awesome. Very. And cool. then beyond and then beyond that, I was playing some Final Fantasy twelve Zodiac Gauge for the Switch, which I'm enjoying, and uh, been dabbling on some uh, Genesis games for uh, Retro's RGB uh, High Score Challenge. Ah, oh, that's so oh, fun. Oh, fun. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't had a chance to submit a score for that yet. Castle of Illusion burned me. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to play this again. Uh, but yeah, so did you pick up the uh, Genesis Mini? Not yet. There's a. I I I actually want to get it. Um, uh-huh. I I haven't really budgeted the funds for it right. as of yet. But I'm hoping I can do that within the next still you know, next couple of days or so, and then just head to a Walmart and pick it up because cool. there are tons available at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Now this isn't Nintendo where you they have like two. Uh, yeah. like, for some reason, like when I went to go buy uh, Link's Awakening, short story, short, short story. Uh, <laughs> when I went to go buy Link's Awakening, I went to my local GameStop uh, right when they opened. And I was in line at the cashier at 10.04. They opened at 10. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, hey, so I pre-ordered this. You know, you guys have it. Don't tell me you don't have it. And so she pulls it out, right? I was like, oh, do you guys have any more of the Link's Awakening Amiibo? And she's like, no, we got four came in and the people in front of me purchased them in less than five minutes. Oh. So, but I was like, why would Nintendo do that? Like produce more of these things. So I go across the street to Walmart. Uh, Cause on their app, it said that they had them in stock. I go there. Of course their wall just has just like a wall of Pichu amiibo. 
I was oh. like, who the heck asked for a Pichu Amiibo anyway? <laughs> Monsters. So then I go to the lady. I was like, hey, um, do you guys have this product? Uh, and she's like, hang on, let me check. So she goes in the back and brings out a box that's like half the size of a shoe box. And opens it up and it has three Link Amiibo in it. And I was oh. like, that's ridiculous. Did you buy I mean, all three? No, I should have. <laughs> yeah, I should have. <laughs> But I opened one. Uh, so, yeah, I doubled my Amiibo collection that day. I now have two Amiibo. But uh, one's for my nice. favorite Zelda and one's for my favorite video game character, Mega Man. And uh, that's where the addiction starts. So keep me away from new Amiibo. Uh, I still but, have the Amiibo. <laughs> yeah, they're cute. They're cute. All right. So anyway, uh, today we're going to be talking about Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Originally released in Japan in 1987, released in North America and Europe in 1988 for the NES. The NES. I was talking to some folks from Europe uh, a little while ago. I think I mentioned this briefly on the previous podcast. Um, But poor Europe, they didn't get a lot of NES love, unfortunately. But I know here in North America... uh, the NES was like the the spark that started it all here as far as modern love of gaming. There's some folks around who, you know, started with Atari. The first thing I ever played, I think, was a Commodore 64. But while I liked the Commodore 64, uh, it was the NES that caused me to fall in love with gaming. But despite falling in love with gaming... With the NES, I never played Zelda 2 as a child. I played Zelda 1 as a child quite a bit. Uh, I tried everything, every trick in the book to be able to stay home so I could play Zelda 1 more. I put bubblegum in my hair so I wouldn't have to go to school so I could stay home and play Zelda 1. I told my mom that the cross on the shield of Link was a Christian, made him a Christian character in a christian game so that she would let me play it more often so (laughs) i tried absolutely everything i could to play that game more often but zelda 2 what i beg your pardon i like that it's like the church of zelda (laughs) (laughs) hey i had to do whatever i could as a as a tiny child even even pulling out a religion to get me to play this game more so uh, that's sort of my experience with the game. I never played it much as a kid, but uh, what about you folks? So Katie, you mentioned uh, you you did play this game as a kid. Uh, you were able yes. to shove it in the face of your brothers. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I never beat the game as a kid. I, oh, I just, okay. so, so the story is my, my brothers had the Monopoly. I had two brothers, and they had the Monopoly on the NES and then later on the SNES. So there were, there were very few games that I, that I sort of snuck when they were not, you know, guarding the machines <laughs> to go play. <laughs> uh, Marble Madness was one of them, and the Barbie game on NES was one oh, of them. Oh, yes. A classic <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I enjoyed watching them play it. Uh, I really liked the little character and how he could go on the map and, and go to different places. And I would always, like, watch over their shoulders going, like, I could do better. I could do better. But I never really, you know, they they had all the save slots, you know, for themselves. So there was nowhere for me to play. Fast forward many, many years. And I have an NES of my own and a retro room of my own. And um, 
I just, I just dug in and I was just like, I want to beat this game. <laughs> so it was, so, and I remember distinctly when I, when I finally beat it, uh, you know, a few years ago, I sent them both a screenshot of me beating it. And I was like, <laughs> Hey, guess what? That's uh, awesome. You're like, despite your guardianship, I've destroyed this game. I mean, it is it is a game by all accounts to have bragging rights for if you can complete it. It's 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 not an easy task. Yeah. And we'll definitely get into that difficulty later. Um, So, Ryan, first time you played it. Did you play this one as a kid or or as an adult? Yes, as a kid. I played this. Well, yes, I played this as a kid. I was introduced to Zelda 2 as a kid. it was uh, right after I moved to my new neighborhood. Um, before, prior to that, I was living with my aunt and my uncle um, due to some financial hardships with my parents and stuff like that. But then we finally got a house, and uh, one of the first friends I made uh, was this older kid. Um, his name is On. I don't know if he is listening to Magecast, but a represent. <laughs> Shout um, out to On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he had Zelda 2 and he introduced it to me and you know we played it a lot. We never could we never got really f- that far into it. Um, we could never figure out the sixth palace or find the or find the hidden village of Casuto. So yeah, long story short, I just played the heck out of it uh, for a couple of years and then one day he like on came back and asked me, "Hey, can I get my game back?" And I'm like, "Oh, okay, sure. Okay." And then I didn't play it for about five or six years i was about maybe 15 when i picked it up on an emulator and i'm just like okay i'm just gonna beat it and i ended up beating it with safe states and then i think it was like when i was 18 i was just like you know what? let's not use safe states i'm just gonna just beat it straight and then that's where it started and then ever since that it's like it's always been an annual thing for me to just go through the game once and just beat it nice once a year that's pretty cool yeah once a year so i i Definitely used save states when I played it. <laughs> I have, I, I hey, have no, judgment, no judgment, no yeah, judgment. I tried, I tried. Uh, and then I like <laughs> when I got like knocked back into like a pit, I was like, screw this, I'm using save states. I'm not like what <laughs> it's either it's either face the temporal judgment of your peers or waste hours uh, on like getting super far and then you die. So and there, and there were things that I just could not do, like the um, the boomerang throwing uh, enemies. The Gorias. Um, there you Gorias. go. Thank you, Gorias. Um, I to at the end of the game, I still could not face them without getting hit at least once. Uh, there are some insane like uh, demands on your reflex reflexes and and so on in this. In this game, but again, we'll get to difficulty. I don't want to jump the gun here, uh, but I have to agree with uh, someone on Twitter, FireDog1984, who said, "Took me years to appreciate how amazing it really is." That's me as well. I tried. I think this was my fourth or fifth time t- attempting to get through the game, and uh, I finally did it. But I was not a fan <laughs> previously. <laughs> Because I would start and get my butt handed to me and just be like, ah, it's not that fun. Um, so, but that's that's me though. This is my understanding is this is both y'all's favorite Zelda. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So to unpack that, 
what specifically makes Zelda to your favorite Zelda? Uh, and let's say what's your second favorite Zelda. So we kind of get some context there too. Uh, we'll start Ryan. Go ahead. Why is this your favorite Zelda? And what's your, what's your second favorite Zelda? Okay. Well, this, the reason why this is my favorite Zelda is purely for nostalgia. Um, it reminds me of the of the times I used to spend with my friend playing this uh, growing up as uh, as kids, and then beyond that, it's just I love the challenge, and I also like there's something to appreciate about the both both the challenge and just just how this how this game was well was designed. I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of leads you in in challenges, and then there are some difficulty spikes, but. Overall, you would just you start to appreciate you start to appreciate the journey. You appreciate the puzzles and um, just the battles. The battles themselves are just so much fun, and I I just can never get enough of it. Which is why I play it every year. Nice. <laughs> and then to answer your second question, my second favorite definitely would be Breath of the Wild. Oh, okay. I have to say that because again too like the 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 journey itself the difficulty and the challenges some some of the shrines were pretty hard to wrap my head around and i was like wow okay i, I really got to think about this and then again the combat i mean sure it's um not the combat isn't as nuanced as say ocarina of times or twilight princesses i like the twilight princesses combat a lot too but just i don't know just the the, the ability to use various weapons in various situations really appealed to me with breath mm-hmm. of the wild well, I like what you said, too, about the uh, combat in Zelda 2. Uh, surprisingly, what I found is when I completed Zelda 2, I started up a new game uh, right away and just plotted around for a little bit and kind of enjoyed the combat a little bit more. Uh, but Katie, uh, your favorite Zelda as well. So there are there's more than one out there. <laughs> uh, why? What makes this your favorite Zelda? Uh, and what's your second favorite Zelda? Okay, so... Uh, I think the thing that I love the most about Zelda 2 is just, um, I, I mean, I'm going to mirror some of what Ryan said, but like the combat, mm-hmm. it there's, it's so beautifully done. Like everything, everything, like all the, all the challenges that you face are, they're not so insurmountable that you just like, you know, throw your controller and walk away. Everything is you can get past it. So, Mm -hmm. so it's challenging, but then, you know, you you just win those little tiny battles. Like when you figure out how to, um, how to fight those stupid knuckleheads or whatever. Oh my God. Oh my God. When I, when I played this game as an adult, that was like my biggest challenge, like getting past the freaking iron knuckles. And when I finally sort of cracked the code, on how to get past those guys, it just sort of opened up the rest of the game for me. It was just like, okay, it's not insurmountable. I just have to think about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like the challenges and the battles were hard enough and challenging enough that when you get past them, even if it's like a small, small way, you feel like, yes, you know? (laughs) Mm. And then... And then, yeah, just just the beauty of the whole game. I mean, the 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 fact that you, um, I love the platformer aspect of it, and then I love the map aspect of it, where it sort of opens up this whole world. You know, it kind of reminds me of like a Final Fantasy type type game. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just great. Uh, 
so yeah, you touched on a couple of things there. I, I like that both of you touched on combat. Um, I'm glad somebody brought up the iron knuckles because screw those guys. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think I had nightmares with iron knuckles. Jump and slash. Jump yeah, and, and then slash. so the That's beautiful it. thing about <clears throat> minus the difficulty spikes that we'll probably discuss in a minute here. But the beautiful thing about the way the, the game presents itself is the first couple times you see an iron knuckle, you're like, well, darn it. But it gives you plenty of room to face him and to jump and to kind of do your thing and figure out how you're going to attack this guy. And then as you progress, they introduce blue iron knuckles that throw oh. daggers at you. And you're like, I'm like, okay, what's the next one? Like, it just like explodes as soon as you get near it. Like, this is ridiculous. Uh, no, he's then, on a horse. Yeah, or exactly. I was uh, like, the one with the horse. kidding. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, eventually you get to stages, uh, palaces, dungeons, where uh, the, the ceiling is super low, so you can't jump anyway. And I was like, this is like criminal. Like, this is super, super hard. But they wean you into it is yeah. the point that I'm trying to make. So, And that's something that I think is really important about uh, stating why the combat is perhaps as, as, as engaging as it is in this game. Uh, so another thing you mentioned kind of touches on the uniqueness of Zelda 2, and that's something I want to address here. Kind of its contributions to the series, the things it invented, and then the things that it did differently and maybe didn't catch on with the rest of the series. Uh, so, Ryan, what what are some of the things that you think are unique to Zelda Two? Unique about Zelda Two? Well, the let's 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 first talk about what it contributed to the Zelda series okay, as well. Go ahead. Too. It's also because yeah. what what makes Zelda Two unique is basically what all other Zeldas just copied from it. Uh, take, for example, take, for example, the ma magic and the magic meter. Mm -hmm. So Zelda 2 was the first game to introduce the magic meter and the first game to introduce magic. And then in subsequent titles, you have, um, you have uh, the magic meter in, uh, links, uh, in Link to the Past. Mm -hmm. And you get, the, you get the three spells, Bombos, Aether, and I think Quake. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of keeps piling on that. So again, so magic, the magic meter, that's where it starts from. Um, the names of the towns in Zelda 2 were used directly in Ocarina of Time as the sages. Yes. So that was, yes. that was a neat little, that was a neat little nod back to Zelda 2. And I think, and I, 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 I you can't, I, I don't want you to quote me on this, but I think I remember, um, Shigeru Miyamoto or somebody from Nintendo once stated that they really wanted to remake Zelda 2 on the N64. Um, I'll have to do some research about that, but I'm pretty sure that somebody in Nintendo said that at one, at one point they wanted to remake Zelda 2 in 3D. But eventually they got Ocarina of Time, so, well, dead, we, yeah. we got the best of the good world. <laughs> yeah, and then in, cool. in, terms of other, in terms of other uniqueness... Um, the a lot of the, a lot of the combat moves um the down stab was mm -hmm. used uh in twilight princess as a finishing move um and also in, in smash bros as mm -hmm. a as a really good as a really good Screw that too. every time i fight a link i'm like let me guess how he's gonna land on me so katie some some other uh unique things and contributions to the series okay so let's talk about like the the most like iconic contribution here in my oh, mind. I Hello. hope you say what I'm thinking. <laughs> Link walking into some tawdry tarts house 
and she tells him to relax and I'll make you feel better. <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> okay, I wasn't thinking that either. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I okay, but I did laugh every time like you're walking by and here's like this woman in like a dress and she's like, Come to my house and I'll help you relax. I was like, is this a kid's game or not? And it doesn't show you inside the house too, so that's a little extra risque. Well, no, and then and then you play Link's Awakening, and uh, and he first there's there's crazy Tracy who's like, let me give you a rub down or something. <laughs> you're like, whoa, and then <laughs> relax, I'll take all your stress away. <laughs> like, hi. <laughs> yeah, the contributions to the Zelda series that we never knew Zelda needed, but it, it, I guess it needed that. That degree of sultriness. He was busy out fighting, you know, brutal bad guys. And, you know, he wanted to relax and feel better. (laughs) So, okay. So I'm glad you didn't mention the thing that was on my mind anyway. Because I really wanted to mention it. Because I really like this. Dark Link. Ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah, Dark Link was invented by Zelda 2. Which was Mm -hmm. totally awesome, I think. I I did not know that was the final encounter. I knew it was in this game, but I kind of forgot about him. And so I beat the the final boss. What is it? The, the Phoenix? Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Thank you. Um, which, why? What, does anybody oh. do you guys know why you fight a Thunderbird or at all? Like, what's the... To torment you? <laughs> to, just to torment. Mm, which, yeah, that's a tough a fight. Right. I well, like I mean, like, lunch what lunch. like significance does, like, a Thunderbird have? Anyways, there's probably something there. We'll have to, yeah, there's probably like a story there. But I was just like, okay, mm, all right. Not like a sorcerer or like, you know, a knight or a dragon or the remains of Ganon. You got to fight a Thunderbird. Uh, okay. So, but after that, then you go straight into the Dark Link battle. Uh, and I just thought that was a really cool way to end this game. You have to fight your inner demons before you can take up the Triforce. So very, very cool. It is very cool. And I actually have some interesting trivia about that because I'm a big uh, Disneyland fan. Me and my husband go to Disneyland a lot and we collect pins every time we go. And I noticed there was a pin there that had Peter Pan with his shadow Mm. And I don't know if you can conjure up an image of Peter Pan in your mind, but his <laughs> outfit looks eerily similar to Link. So I posted this on Twitter and I can't remember who told me about it, but Peter Pan and his shadow were a direct influence in the creation of Link. That's super cool. And oh. yeah, definitely last year, no, year before. Uh, my eldest went as Link. I think he was two at the time for Halloween. And every single house was like, oh, Peter Pan. I was like, he's freaking like, <laughs> like, he has a giant sword. He's got a shield. This is not Peter Pan. Come on. Hey, like, Peter the, Pan carries a sword too. Or he's a got little, a dagger. He's got a little got dagger. A well, dagger. <laughs> doesn't Link have a little tiny dagger? It's small. You, that's true. Okay. Because in, and I complained about this when I was playing Zelda 2 to my wife. I was like, look at the range of like Link's sword. Like you have to be face to face with anything <laughs> to hit it in Zelda 2. If I may interject. Right. Yes, oh. please go ahead. 
No, sorry about that. I was just going to argue at the uh, at the range aspect that uh, Red has mentioned. I mean, like if you think about it, if you have too much, if you have too much range on the sword, then battles are going to be too easy because you can just attack at range. Too short, and battles are going to be too hard. So, like, potentially, you're get all the time. So, like in so. in Link's Awa- in Link's Awakening, there's a lot of range on that sword. Like, mm-hmm. and it's and it sweeps in an arc. In this, yes. it's just you get a stab standing and a stab crouch, a crouch stab and a stand stab, and or a crouching jumping stab. Or a crouching jumping stab. <laughs> or a downward, or a downward crouching, jumping stab. stab. Or a jumping crouching stab, upward stab. Yeah. And with the point being that. Uh, and the it flies that, across the screen, too. Yeah. You're at full hey. hey. Fireball. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but the fact that you could not swing it. This is not a swing-in game. The fact that you could not swing your sword, I think, makes Zelda 2 that much harder as far yeah. as deliberate design. Because like an enemy comes at you, you're like, am I going to stab you in the face or in the legs? In the face or in the legs? In the face, and then he stabs you in the face, and you're like, dang it. You know what's, in, you know what's interesting, though, about the, the sword, or the I want to call it a dagger because it's so small. Um, similar to like Ninja Gaiden, if you play enough Ninja Gaiden, you start to realize that the tip of your sword visually is not where it ends hitting the guy. Like... Like, your enemies will still be hit even if you don't visually see the tip of the sword hit him. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in Zelda 2. If you've noticed, like, if you try and hit, like, a bat or one of those, like, skull things that you probably spent a lot of time farming in the palaces. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the skull bubbles? Um, the skull bubbles. Heck, yeah. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> There's like a little bit of extra give at the at the tip of his dagger that you can hit, guys. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because otherwise, you'd have to. I mean, I felt like he might as well just have been using his finger because that that sword is friggin' short. It's super short. Um, So another cool thing that I liked about this game was it's a direct sequel, which we don't always get uh, in Zelda games. Um, I like that it continues off of the first game. I discovered that the Zelda in the sleeping in the palace at the beginning of the game is not the same Princess Zelda from the first game, but the original Princess Zelda. Um, But Ganon is dead in this game, and his followers are trying to revive him by uh, using your blood, Link's blood, to resurrect their Dark Lord. So uh, it's cool that this game has a story that's a little more unique than just... Uh, you know, go on. You're the you're the hero of time. Rescue the princess. Defeat Ganon. That sort of thing. So I like that it it had that element to it. Um, we might as well get to one of the one of the elephants uh, in the proverbial room, which is I I I tend to I tend to go a little too far sometimes when I promote things. Uh, for which I apologize if there was somebody who was offended for some reason. Uh, but <laughs> I, I tweeted out, what is the worst Zelda? The oh. worst Zelda. So I didn't tweet, what is the best Zelda? Because nobody wants to talk about that. What's the worst Zelda? That's more exciting. Uh, and Katie, I liked your response. It was like, none of them, right? Yeah, I said no, no Zelda. No Zelda? <laughs> By which I, I took it to mean you meant that all Zeldas have exactly the same quality, which is stupendous. 
Yes. It's an an amazing achievement that they could get them all equally valid, equally uh, quality. But some folks had some some things to say. So uh, I asked Ryan beforehand, um, so he already knows the answer. So I'll ask you, Mm -hmm. Katie, what do you think, according to Twitter, is the most named worst Zelda? Something on the CDI? Okay, so you're correct. Ah, uh, yay! Wand of Gamelon and uh, the other stupid one. Uh, <laughs> I think there's three of them. But it's like nobody's even played those anyway. So yeah. have you played them? Have no, you guys played? No, no, no. I've seen I've seen some footage of it, and I'm like, wow, that looks kind of dorky. But I would totally <laughs> play it. I I would absolutely play it. Yeah, right, just to say you've played it, you know. Um, I think the probably like one percent of the gaming population has played those games, but most of it's just like I mean they look they look awful, they sound like they're awful, everything about it seems awful. But who knows? Maybe what if you played it yourself and they were like, and then you're in tears. You're like, this was the best <laughs> game I've ever played. You never know because nobody's played it. Exactly. Um, so, but anyway, though it, it yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, the so the CDI games actually tied though. Here's oh. the thing. It tied with a mainline game, which is, what do you think that mainline game is, Katie? Uh, is it Zelda 2? No. Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. Ooh, <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be sad. It's actually Skyward Sword, uh, uh, which is maybe not as surprising um, as, say, if it came up like, Oh, Spirit Tracks is the worst one. Like Spirit Tracks, who cares about Spirit Tracks? Hey, uh, I like Spirit Tracks. You know what? Who cares about Spirit Tracks? Is what I said, and I stand by my statement. I'm sure it's great. I've never played it though. Is it good? It is actually good. It's like quite fun. I enjoy oh, okay. it. Well, see, I can't it's play the cute. can't play the handheld ones because my giant hands. But um, <laughs> so Skyward Sword tied with the CDI games. Um, the next worst, according to the Twitterverse was Breath of the Wild, uh, followed closely by Twilight Princess and Majora's Mask, Tide, followed closely by Wind Waker and Zelda 2, and Link's Crossbow, Tide. And then most other games got one or two votes each. Uh, Fortunately, Zelda 1 and Link Link to the Past got no nominations for Worst Zelda, which, uh, you know encourages my view of humanity as having some good in it but <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple here that I was just shocked I mean uh I've played Twilight Princess I've played Majora's Mask I've I'm playing Wind Waker HD on on the Wii U I, I do like I, Wind Waker Yeah I definitely don't think they're the worst Zeldas uh especially I mean we live in a universe where there's Triforce heroes like <laughs> care about Triforce heroes more than Wind Waker? I don't know. That just sounds funny to me. So, uh, well, we kind of already got Katie's answer then. No Zelda. Uh, Ryan, in your opinion right now, to be completely outrageous, what is the worst Zelda in your opinion? Does it have to be one that I played or I haven't played? <laughs> uh, it depends on how you want to formulate your opinion. Because, you know, I mean, come on. We all think the CDI games are the worst. None of us have played it, so. Then, honestly, I can't, I get, I have to, you know, agree with Katie. I can't find a Zelda game that is inherently bad. 
mind you, I haven't played Skyward Sword either, so I can't say if it's good or bad, nor can I say the same about Triforce Heroes. So what about to rephrase this? Because I see how you're approaching it as like, this game is bad, therefore it's the worst. But what about just, they're all good, but which one is the least good? (laughs) Phantom Hourglass. Huh? Okay, I can say that for certain. Phantom Phantom Hourglass. Hourglass. Take it back. No, <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it, the, that you. one. <laughs> Phantom Hourglass has given us so much that we have to be thankful to. <laughs> okay, so we address that. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps the the most significant part of any discussion of Zelda Two, though, is a discussion of its difficulty. So let me just ask you guys point blank: Is Zelda Two too hard? No. No. Not really. Ryan's making a not really face. You're like a, what he, that was like a 20% yes, 80% no kind of an answer. Yeah. It, it, got it definitely face. has a bit of, I'm just saying, it definitely has a bit of a, a bit of a learning curve to start uh-huh. off with. Okay. But once you, once you kind of get into it a little bit, you'll realize, oh, you know what? It's not as bad as they thought. And then the game smacks you in the face with <laughs> with a couple of tough enemies, and you're like, what the heck? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, so Katie, you, you just said flat, flat out no. Like, this is not. So you're kind of looking at the whole game, I, I sort of surmise from your answer. Um, but what, what do you say to someone who says, Zelda 2 is just too hard? I would say um, you're too weak. the equivalent the equivalent of get get. fired (laughs) you're too weak (laughs) if i can do it anybody can do it no um but seriously like for me a lot of a lot of what i enjoy about gaming is just perseverance it's like <laughs> I could throw my body against a game and just die over and over again. But if I make just a little bit of headway, then I'm encouraged to keep going and I want to keep going. And the game is fun enough and challenging enough and rewarding enough that I do. So and that's why you're a retro gamer, right? There. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about retro games. Uh, NES hard is a phrase, of course. Um, but there's a kind of this is something that I think has been a theme that we've developed so far in this conversation. There's kind of a beauty to challenge. Now, that's not in sort of a an over brutal sense, uh, you know, that we just want games to tear us limb from limb. Uh, and certainly I, I've played games that are too hard, either unintentionally uh, for glitches or whatever other reason that the developers didn't perhaps intend. And then some games which are just flat out unfair. Either they don't tell you all the rules that you need to know in order to progress fairly, um, or you know they withhold certain information, or just the way that they designed it's unfair, you can't see what's going on. Uh, Zelda 2, I don't think, falls into either of those categories. I don't think it's unfair in terms of... Um, you know, it having all sorts of glitches and whatnot. And then I don't think that it's intentionally unfair. I think you can see what's going on. The game gives you an opportunity to grind. Mm-hmm. And that alone is a huge, huge bone to throw to the player. 
I felt like when I discovered that I could grind XP in order to become more powerful and not die as soon as I get into, you know, the swamps or whatever, um, it was a game changer for me because, uh, yeah, if you just go into this game and think, oh, I, I just, every time I leave the leave Zelda, I just need to get as far as I possibly can. Well, okay, you're going to die yeah. and you're going to start over and you're going to be frustrated and, and you're going to lose all that XP that you haven't, you know, seen through. And, um, when you finally realize that like, okay, wait a minute, if I can just be a little more strategic about this, if I'm going to die, I need to do everything that I can not to die. And, and sometimes that involves like, I, I don't know how many times I've, I've gone back and forth into a screen just to like kill little enemies, little slimes or something. The skull order, bubbles for the sure. Skull bubbles or yes. just something in order to get them to drop a magic potion so that I could heal enough so that I won't die and lose all the XP that I have that I've gained so far. So it's it's just being smarter about it, I think, is is sort of the key. Yeah. I think that there's probably a tendency with people approaching games from this era to just kind of face them with a brute force mentality of I'm just going to make it through this game. Uh, but this is not like Mega Man. This is not where... So like the, the difficulty in Mega Man 2 is, is, I think, different from the difficulty in uh, Zelda 2. And that's something that I had a conversation with somebody who uh, came out and said that Zelda 2 is one of the easiest games on the NES, with which I, I vehemently <laughs> disagree. But I, but I don't think it's too difficult at the same time mm -hmm. because of the mm -hmm. things that we're talking about. Grinding, uh, it gives you that opportunity to mature your character uh, and, and upgrade your abilities. Upgrading your life and upgrading your attack power is immense immense mm -hmm. for getting through Makes this game. difference yeah mm -hmm. the first three or four times that i tried to get through the game was the brute force mentality of i'm just gonna go and see how many times i can die until i get bored and i'll quit because there's the extra life system or whatever uh but this this fourth or fifth time that i played it i decided i'm gonna grind for a while and then especially in the in the first palace, grinding out those uh, those skull bubbles and just upgrading my attack power as, as high as I could early on uh, was something that really helped make this game more manageable. And then just getting a hang of its demands, because I think it's more demanding of the player than Mega Man. Mega Man lets you shoot across the screen. Mega Man has enemies that drop uh, items all the time to heal your character. Mega Man has access to eight different robot weapons that let you shoot in different directions, create platforms. He's got rush for, for support. He's got E-tanks. He's got a freaking bird that picks him up out of a pit and puts him <laughs> back on land. Uh, so there's hard Mega Man, classic Mega Man games. Like fighting the dragon is hard in Mega Man 2, but... It's a different kind of difficulty because I think that the game, the core gameplay of Zelda 2 is much more demanding than your typical platformer. Uh, there was Indeed. a point to, to that, but I'm going to let you speak because I can't remember my point. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just to build up on from both you and Katie, Zelda 2, um, it really gets the player to understand and it teaches them how to be patient. 
with Zelda 2, you have to be patient with this game. You mm-hmm. have to be patient with how you approach enemies. Like you have to observe, you have to observe your attacks. Like uh, one of the earliest enemies in the first palace, those mace throwing red guys. Like you have to just kind of just stand back a little bit, watch the patterns, see the opening, and then just jump in and just rub, rush and stab. Right. That's a which to be fair, I mean, some people you know may not have. Well, how to, how do you how to phrase this? Sometimes <laughs> we don't perhaps have as much patience with older games because it's like, I just want to get this off my backlog kind of a mentality, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I think that's probably a predominant thing. Uh, I That's certainly my mentality at some point in time, too, where I just like, I don't want to spend forever learning this game. And so I just want to get into it and play it. But Zelda 2 is something, it's kind of like, you know, something that ages, that takes time to appreciate. So Exactly. And you can even take the lessons you learn in Zelda 2 and apply it in real life. Like, for instance, if you, most of the times you have to pick and choose your battles. Like, do you face this guy when you're at, like, one bar of health and no magic? Or do you go back, grind some of the smaller enemies, get some magic potions, get your health back up, and then go face him? Um, mm-hmm. Another thing is if you come back when you're more experienced. You know, you, you can approach a problem when you have a little bit more knowledge or a little bit more... Um, foresight on how to handle it versus just tackling it, failing, and be like, where did I go wrong? Kind mm-hmm. of deal. And then also, too, trial and error and stuff. And yeah, yeah that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, like, like not casting the jump spell uh, in areas where it's going to land you in a pit of lava. <laughs> yeah. And finding out that a spell only lasts for a screen. Oh, God. Yeah. Is is monumental because you can easily just blow through your magic and then get to a place where you need the jump spell or the fairy spell. And you're like, well, darn it. You know, now I'm stuck and I have to farm these difficult enemies in order to find some, uh, healing for my magic. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I bumped into a lot from folks who are like, this is one of the easiest games on the NES. This is like, this is like, it's easier than, tic-tac-toe come on man like those (laughs) those is that is that there's an element of familiarity with this game makes it easier so i think that the longer that you've played it the more often that you've played it uh the more that the easier it's going to seem uh because of the simple fact that you understand its systems you understand its demands you know what the core gameplay is uh so somebody like myself uh, had to use save states, had to use a guide, uh, because there's so much in this game that I had no idea about. So what do you think is the toughest thing for new players of Zelda 2, people who are not familiar with it from childhood, from nostalgia? I almost think that one of the things that's the most that's more challenging about this game than other Zelda games is expectation mm. that it's going to be like another Zelda game. <laughs> that's a great answer. Uh, it's so great because that's what we're going to get into immediately after this subject of difficulty. <laughs> uh, so real briefly, did you have something to touch on uh, right there for new players, Ryan? Um, well, 
again the the expectation that this is not your this is not your everyday top down Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh for for new players it's just I guess again the expect like again the expectation that you're just going to be able to blow right by blow right through it or get through it really quickly that that's that's usually meant that's usually the downfall of many players many new players just thinking they could just go in and just you know blast right through it when in fact you're going to hit a brick wall very very quickly yeah so for me as a new player the the two things that i would mention is uh coming to grips with the fact that the the combat you can't be lazy with the combat you have to know when to jump when to dodge what to hit on each enemy uh the first couple times i played this game i couldn't beat the first palace boss i was like this is just impossible straight up impossible but it's because you have to <laughs> you have to time your jumps. You have to be real careful with it. Uh, you can't trade hits. You're just gonna die. the mm-hmm. The second thing was uh, understanding that this game does have difficulty spikes. Uh, the first one being Death Mountain. That <laughs> I was blown away at how difficult that was. I was like, "You're asking me to go through a labyrinth with no direction." Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know why I was there. I was like, what? <laughs> With no real objective. Um, there is one, of course, but finding it is like, oh, this is what I was looking for. Um, tons of enemies, no save. I, I was just like, but no town at the end, and no town at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, I was like, when I picked up the hammer, I was about to die. I was like, what do I do? Save just state. Die. Just die at that point. <laughs> oh, you're right, because it respawns you, right? Yeah. See, I didn't even think of that. Uh, so yeah, Death Mountain, I feel like is probably the point where a lot of people wanting to play casually will give up, uh, because it's so, so demanding, uh, and there's so much, so much room for error, not even with just fighting all the enemies. Well, you can choose. He's in the the town. Huh? Oh, that error. I was like. So much room for mistakes. We'll say there that. <laughs> his his twin brother mistake. Uh, there, you could choose the wrong cave to go through. You can, you know, get knocked into holes. You can, yeah, all kinds of stuff. You miss a jump in your toast. So those uh, obstacle course sections, we have to run a long gamut of of sections, like the road to the Great Palace. Uh, after Death Mountain, I f- I felt like I was like I could beat anything after, after uh, Death, and then I get you know I read so a couple you get things. The fiery swamps. Yeah, I like I read a couple of things. People were like, "Yeah, the road to the Great Palace is going to like murder your soul." I was like, "It's not that bad." I beat Death Palace or Death Death Mountain, and then I got to the road to the Great Palace, and I was like, "This is this, this is really hard." <laughs> But there you are a couple <laughs> spots in that swamp of fire where you can have a respite. There's a you know a couple magic bottles in there and stuff. They they give you what you need, right? But you have to. Oh, and <laughs> this is a great thing about the difficulty. You have to know that they're there because there are so many secrets in this game where I stumbled into. It, I was like, how would anybody find that? Like for instance, uh, what was it the final spell is thunder, right? Um, yes. So you have to be like, without a manual, I was like, I don't know what this final boss is called. I never would have thought, oh, I have to cast Thunder on it, uh, <laughs> unless I really thought about it. 
But then some of like the really hidden things, the hidden spells, are like, oh yeah, you gotta jump up and talk to this bat like a bunch of times, or you gotta like jump on this dude's roof and get in here, or you gotta like all this stuff. I was like, I never, ever would have figured that out. So there's a question here from Playjack Sayback: How many quote Nintendo Power moments? did you manage to figure out before touching a strategy guide? So he's referring, of course, to the fact that uh, in Nintendo Power, they gave you a lot of tips and secrets on the game. But if you didn't get their magazine, (laughs) what are you going to do in a pre-internet age? I guess you'd have to watch your brothers or you'd have to talk to other school kids and figure things out on your own. I mean, we had more time as children, but now I'm like, I'd still be playing Zelda 2. If I didn't use a guide, you know, so. I mean, I, I planned to use a guide. I didn't have any sort of like shame about that. You know, I was an an adult. I was just like, yeah, I'll use a guide if I have to. Um, But I think for me, I am just somebody who, I I guess it's why I like the Final Fantasy game so much. It's like, I will talk to everybody. I will go on every square and I will look everywhere and I'll try everything. So I think for me, I found a a ton of cool stuff that way. Um, All of the secrets and stuff. But the, but the thing that I had to learn the hard way was certain secrets like the one up doll, the link dolls that he can get or the, you know, um, the pee bags. (laughs) (laughs) They disappear. (laughs) Yeah, pee bags. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm a gamer girl. I can say pee bags, right? I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's safe to say on this podcast, despite <laughs> it being a family friendly podcast. You could say pee bags. Like I was muttering that while I was playing this game. <laughs> pee bags. <laughs> it literally is a bag with pee on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Oh, just I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm making it worse, but uh, I'm, I'm talking about the game. Jeez, the game. what's wrong with you guys? Oh my goodness! Like, <laughs> my goodness! Tisk tisk. Tut tut and all that. Tut tut. And all were, of that. Were we talking about something before the pee bags came out? Because I completely, <laughs> completely lost. Like, so I was Link talking about the bags. fact okay. that things, things of that nature, the pee bags and the Link dolls. They disappear once you get them. That's it. You cannot get them again. So yes. you die. Mm-hmm. You know. So 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 to be sort sort of strategic about when to get it. You know, if you're about to die, don't you know stab the pee bag. So you could say, yeah, the brevity of pee bags, the temporality <laughs> of the pee bag, just yeah, that's something that makes this game difficult. Ryan's don't no stop. Okay, so <laughs> next subject. Uh, is fans' expectations. I love this subject, and I'm glad that you guys brought it up. This is something that I think is is real important because you get into... So, like, even, even in the course of just asking what's the worst Zelda, uh, a lot of what people said, and this popped up a couple times, it's popped up for sure in past conversations I've had, is people say, well, it just doesn't feel like a Zelda game to which I want to ask the question, what feels like a Zelda game? Because if you look at the, the scope of Zelda games, they're actually remarkably different uh, from each other. They, they recycle of traditional 
ideas in traditional mechanics, but you have two completely different kinds of Zelda games, the 3D and the 2D Zelda games. Um, you have completely different stories. Some are darker, some are lighter. Um, you have different timelines. You have different items. You have different stories, different characters, all sorts of things. There's all kinds of differences. And so I actually did ask somebody once, what do you mean by feels like Zelda? What does that mean to you? And they're like, well, to me, I don't like the 3D games. So to me, uh, Zelda is just the top-down games. But you see how that excludes everything. If you're saying yeah. this game is the is the worst, not just I don't like it, because that's not what I was asking. I wasn't asking which Zelda do you not like the most. I was asking which do you think is the worst, is the worst, being. Okay, so which one is the worst? Then your answer cannot be, to me, it doesn't feel like my expectations of what Zelda should be because fans don't actually own these games, uh, despite some phantoms claiming to in certain behavior, but, uh, fans don't own the characters. We don't own the games. We don't own, uh, we don't get to say which games are Zelda and which games aren't the creators of this, of these games do the creators define what is and what isn't. So for, 100%. and yeah, and that the reason why I feel so strongly about that is because I, I put out a book. If somebody was like, to me, this is not a Moses Norton book. I just feel like, <laughs> well, screw you. I wrote it and I said it is. So <laughs> if somebody was like, to me, this is more of, you know, a, uh, a science fiction fantasy book. I'd just be like, you're out of your mind. Like you don't own this book. I do. I made it and I say what it is. So the exactly. creates the creators right to their own product to say what it is. Uh, and, and the creators of Zelda have said, these are Zelda games. Um, somebody pointed out, interestingly, let me pull that up real quick. That way I can quote them. And this would be a great time to drink water too. Cause my starting to make those weird mouth noises. Let's see. Words. Words. The, you know, like the stuff where it's just like, <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> you need a pee bag. <laughs> I do. I should have a pee bag installed on my desk so I don't have to get it. This is from Metroid Mike 64, uh, who pointed out that uh, A.G. Onuma confirmed that the CDI games are not uh, canon in the franchise. When he said, I don't know that those really fit in the Zelda franchise. So, whatever that, uh, that, somewhat vague phrase really literally means uh, it seems like the developers, the creators, the people who are in charge of this franchise. Um, again, they're, they're calling the shots as to what is and isn't. So in that respect, you can say the CDI games really aren't, you know, Zelda games truly, but certainly all the mainline uh, Zelda games are. So fan expectations um, there's a couple other questions here that I wanted to point out on fan expectations. Uh, this one's from Exeguris One. My first three Zelda games were linked to the past, Link's Awakening and Zelda One. In my mind, those are always considered to be traditional Zelda, even though when this one was released, he points out, oh, he, she, I, I don't know. They point out there was no traditional yet. So because this was only the second game, there's no precedent set. Good thing to point out. 
but they asked, what would you say to convince someone to play this for the first time? It's awesome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, come on. How could you how could you not play it with that that kind of sterling recommendation? What about you, Ryan? Exactly. If you're looking for a Zelda with a challenge and with something that will have to get you to think outside of the box, then this is the Zelda for you. Because it's definitely a Zelda where you have to think outside of the box and you have to slow down and uh, be strategic about how you approach everything compared yes. to like other Zeldas where you go into the dungeon, find the item, use the item to solve all the rest of the puzzles, and then beat the boss with the item. Yes. I so would this also, is... I would oh, also argue that, or I would also ask a person who is trying to discount Zelda 2 as a legitimate Zelda game, um, would you say the same thing about Super Mario Brothers 2 in the U.S.? Mm. Yeah, right? There you go. Just because it's different. Mere difference uh, doesn't mean anything. It's in the franchise. It's in the franchise. And in fact, uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 was actually created as a, as a separate game. And uh, they created, what, the Lost Levels? I mean, they, they created a Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan mm -hmm. that was not released in the U.S. It was, I think, probably too similar to mm -hmm. the original. And I've, I've played the Lost Levels. It is very similar. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And so they released something different because, you know, U.S. audiences maybe like variety. So I think they, I think they definitely uh, thought outside the box with Zelda 2 to try and come up with something that was really unique and really different from the first one, but still just as engaging and just as fun. And I really think they succeeded. Yeah. And Zelda 2, as far as I know, isn't a reskin either. Mm -mm. Like Super Mario Brothers 2 US is. Exactly. And now, now that you think about it, um, the fact that Super Mario Brothers 2 was released in the US the way it was, it also kind of created a precedent for all other sequels that... You know, each time you have a sequel to like the first game, it has to be vastly or somewhat vastly different than the original. Like, have you have you, have you thought about that in any, mm. in any sense? Like, trying to think of some examples. So, like Metroid, uh, there was <laughs> Metroid, and then Return of Samus on the Game Boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those are fairly different, different as far as like the the direction, right? You're hunting down Metroids versus. Mm -hmm exploring this big labyrinth without as much direction um what are all some other classic uh nintendo franchises why am i drawing mega a blank on too. nintendo franchises <laughs> <laughs> yeah what'd you say mega man one two okay so i've not played castlevania two unfortunately but is that I one have. pretty different from one it's almost it's almost similar to zelda two in a sense it's uh fairly 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 similar and then you said Mega Man as well. Yeah, Mega Man and Mega Man Two. They're vastly. They're. I mean, the mechanics and everything are the same, but um, the items introduced, I guess, would make it different. Yeah. Might be stretching it then. Maybe there it. at least, but that's a Capcom. Mm -hmm. Well, so while well, you had Final Fantasy One and Final Fantasy Two, are pretty different. Oh, there you go. From each yeah, other. vastly. Yeah, so here's a, a question from uh, a couple questions from Kritz McCritz on Twitter. Uh, this is a huge question, so we're definitely not going to be able to tackle all of it unless one of you has this magically simple answer, which is what makes a Zelda game and how does Zelda 2 reflect those traits? How does it not reflect those traits? 
are these fair questions given this was the second game in the series? So again, along the same kind of lines that we're talking about here with expectations, I feel like this is a Zelda game, Mm. man. Okay. What makes a Zelda game? Secrets and exploration. Beautiful. Puzzles. And puzzles. And puzzles, yeah. So could you say then that in that respect, uh, Metroid feels like a Zelda game? Because yeah, it's it kind of feels secrets. to me like a Zelda game. I don't know what the <laughs> creators were thinking, but my fifis say that it doesn't feel like a Metroid game so much as a Zelda game. <laughs> so I, I think I picked up the, a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> what? Ah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what makes a Zelda game is, I think, the creators, literally. The creators make the games and call them the Legend of Zelda. And if they are, then then that's what they are. So like when Breath of the Wild came out, a lot of people were like, this does not feel like a Zelda game, therefore it's the worst Zelda game. Now, I think Breath of the Wild has some you know, issues that need to be discussed, and it could be not the best Zelda game, but we have to talk about its actual intrinsic qualities not its exterior qualities, namely yourself <laughs> saying yeah. it doesn't feel like it. so uh yeah. But and you always have that with fans. I mean right. look at Star Wars. How many oh, of the Star Wars oh I see. I see. <laughs> you can talk about the the fans not respecting the creators with Zelda, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I, I, I'm very much, <laughs> very much a person when, when it comes to star Wars, you, you could totally see how, you know, George Lucas can still call it star Wars. And here's a good point. The creators creating the games and the creators having ownership over the games doesn't always mean they're going to make quality games because George Lucasing something is kind of like Mickey mousing something ironically, mm-hmm. <laughs> coincidentally, perhaps, <laughs> Uh, George Lucas kind of went in and he Mickey Mouse with things, right? Like, I don't know anybody on Earth who likes in Return of the Jedi that extra scene that he shoved in there in Jabba's palace where you have to listen to, like, the the alien jazz scene. Did you guys like that or no? Because I've mean, not... I, I thought it was a little off-putting. I mean, George, George Lucas probably likes it. Well, there you go. I've never met George Lucas, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just like, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a fantastic thing to add to it. That was my George Lucas impression. Oh, okay, here's great. <laughs> uh, I tried. Uh, just in the mirror at night, I was like, I think that you're a handsome man, and uh, your neck meets look fantastic. Uh, so this is from <laughs> Terrence Harkin on Twitter. My question, if Nintendo had proceeded with their original plan, to make this a totally new game not related to the Zelda franchise, might it have spawned a successful ongoing series? I love this question because I think there's a definitive answer. But what do you guys think? If it was just a game but was not related to the Zelda franchise, would it have been more successful or would it have spawned a successful series? I feel that it would have uh I think we have a good chance of creating a, a spin-off or, or like not a spin-off, but an actual series mm-hmm. based off of the gameplay and the, and the, uh, and the challenge that it introduced. Like you can, you can pretty much spin it up in a whole 
bunch of ways, like, you know, have really crazy palaces or uh, introduce new enemies that require new strategies that you haven't used before or introduce new moves as, you know, the developers are able to, uh, you know, program new uh, new things into the games and stuff. I think I think it would have a good chance in, okay. in becoming a series. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what do you think, Katie? I, I I would have to agree. Also, I think I think the the gameplay itself is just so good and so fun. I think it's hard to say. Oh, would it have been more successful than Zelda? Because mm-hmm. Zelda is freaking massive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I I definitely think that the style of the gameplay would be uh, suitable for additional titles. Mm. That okay. So. <laughs> these are fair answers. I just want you guys to know these are fair answers. But, but. there's a part of but there's a part <laughs> of me that I love when I disagree with my guests. It's so good. Uh, it's more <laughs> interesting, right? If we're just like saying, "Well, we like Zelda two the whole two hours," then, eh. but yeah, okay. So I think that there's a a possibility that it could have been successful. But here's the thing: there are three games that are very similar to Zelda 2. Faxanadu, The Battle of Olympus, and Moon Crystal, which I'd not even heard of before today. Moon Crystal? That's a new one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Apparently NES games. Uh, I've not played Faxanadu. I've played a little bit of Battle of Olympus, and it's very much like Zelda 2. But I don't think either any of those games spawned a successful series. I'm pretty sure Battle of Olympus and Moon Crystal did not. Um, Faxanadu, I'm not sure of. Is there a sequel to Faxanadu? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. So that's my answer, essentially, is there are are non-Zelda games that are similar enough to Zelda 2 to make a guess that they that Zelda 2 may not have spawned uh that there's a good chance that it may not have spawned a series but again we don't know uh if we had a time machine maybe we could go back and you know pop into the Nintendo headquarters and just be like hey guys you know what Zelda it's not going to work out so uh you should probably change it yeah change it to something else yeah okay see you later and then just leave and come back to our timeline and like who knows what would happen <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's more Zelda. We just wiped Zelda off the face of the planet. That'd be terrible. Oh, that yeah. would be heartbreaking. Would you be proud of yourself at that point, Moses? You know what? I <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> they were in agreement again. Okay, good. I was like, <laughs> I accidentally wiped out Zelda in my hypothetical time machine travel uh, back to yeah, 1987. Anyways, so moving on. Um, what's one thing you would fix in Zelda two? This is a question I had for both you guys. What is one thing you would fix in Zelda two? Katie? Um, I think that I would fix that when you destroy a boulder, it like is destroyed forever. Thank you. That's like, great idea. <laughs> like why? Regenerating why did, boulders. <laughs> did the boulder reappears. <laughs> that's great that's a great fix right there beautiful all right yeah no more regenerating boulders thank you uh (laughs) it's just a time waste yeah anyway ryan what is one thing you would fix 
and Zelda too. This this one you might like, Moses. I would have added a fairy in the middle of Death Mountain. Ah, there's no fairy, <laughs> so there's no fairy in Death Mountain. Even well, you if can, but you can you can farm a fairy if you go into that little section that has the grass. Forest. The yes. little mm. section of four squares of forest. Did you go up there and you hope for a fairy? Okay, so you can't use that one, Ryan. You got to come up with something else. If you can farm <laughs> fairies, then that's just what it is. <laughs> Nuts. Okay, so what else would I fix? Oh, the fire spell. I'd get rid of that. That's just a yeah, useless spell. Yeah, it's a waste spell. of time, Ugh. dude. It only affects, like, the, what, the scorpions and uh, a couple other things? It's really just two enemies. Yeah. The, the jumping, I guess, yeah, the jump, the ones oh, that jump a lot and, uh, and the crawling ones that like, kind of sit up. The, the yeah. scorpions, and I just tested this out yesterday. You don't need the fire spell for those guys. Oh, what? really? I downstabbed them. Yeah, I downstabbed the crap out of those guys. What, what, what happens is, is that they're, they have an eye that opens, and whenever the eye opens, that's when they're vulnerable. So just downstab the crap down out of them. Downstab the eye, huh? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or keep the fire spell and make it useful. You know, make it like oh, an actual too. projectile that you could that you could use. Um, but yeah, I was pretty. I was like, sweet a projectile. Oh, it only works on like two enemies. Sweet, thanks, game for <laughs> not. Yeah. Anyway, uh, probably and what I, I would. Thi- oh, I, I think I would also upgrade the shield. So, well, I guess there's a shield spell. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like a reflect spell, but I mean, like the shield. Uh, I don't know. Never yeah. mind. No, there's, I, I, <laughs> the I, there's something I feel like there's something there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because the, the shield doesn't get an upgrade and it's kind of like not the most reliable tool, you know? Uh, like I was like, did I get hit in the face? Cause this I'm standing and that thing like straight up, you know, whatever it is. And there's some brutal enemies like the, yeah, all kinds of nonsense in this game. That like maybe your shield could reflect projectiles from enemies or yeah or spells like, or something. I mean that there's the axe throwing guys that you can't you know yeah shield doesn't work against. Yeah. The shield basically only works in hand to hand combat, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Or yeah. it also works in the palace when when they're shooting like projectiles at you like little certain things. But um, yeah, I feel like the shield could have gotten them an upgrade at some point. Yeah, great, great, great. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take a final, a final couple questions here from good old Twitter. Uh, this is from every UK number one game. Given the number of modern action games with RPG elements, does Zelda two now look less of a dead end than it used to somewhat baited, uh, to, to state that Zelda two at one point in time did look like a dead end. But I get I get what they're what they're saying there. Essentially, that uh, this is kind of like the black sheep of the the series. They tried a bunch of different things and then kept some of them, but they didn't really keep you know the RPG elements and the extra lives and all that sort of thing. So, but does does it look like less of a dead end now that we have modern action games that have RPG elements in them? Um, I'll start with this one. Actually, if you yeah. look at most if you look at most modern games with uh, with uh, RPG elements, you'll notice that um, you know when you level up and stuff, you get skill points, and then you can apply those skill points to different attributes. In the same way, in Zelda Two, when you get enough experience points, you can like level up life or level up attack in that sort of sense. So, 
I mean, if a modern gamer goes in to, into Zelda into Zelda Two, they'll see some similarities within that system and say, "Oh, you know what? It's kind of like similar to like say, I'm going to say Borderlands, Borderlands, 2, Borderlands, Borderlands Two, in that regard." Yeah, it's an action. It's an action RPG from the eight mm-hmm. bit era, which is cool. You know, I mean, that's yeah. action RPG is typically something that we associate with uh just the modern consoles but there were action rpgs even back then so katie let me get let me get your thoughts on it on some of these other ones did you have a thought on that okay so so first of all i i want to call out uh so i had some 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 people on the twitters telling me what to talk about yes i asked them so so i had nerds in the burbs saying um Please address the abuse of the term black sheep when haters describe the game. And so I had to call him out because you just said the magic word. I said black, black sheep. sheep. <laughs> I said black sheep. So so they were asking you to to defend the phrase or or what was it there? They they just said I, I think just the the abuse of the term because uh-huh. I think if you're calling something a black sheep you're saying, okay, so nothing in this game um, is similar to the future games in the series or in the past. And I think that's absolutely untrue because, I, I mean, um, Ryan, you pointed out a few things. Uh, Moses, you also pointed out a few things that that sort of were set as a precedent yes. in this game. You can't really call a precedent-setting game a black sheep in right. a series. So here's here's what I actually mean. I definitely don't mean like a hundred percent because we started the podcast like, what did this contribute to the series? But I what I mean is that it's the, one of the most distinct entries in the series, and that should be like fairly uh, evident. You know, it's got uh, an over not overuse. It's got uh, a consistent. There we go. That's a kinder phrase (laughs) it's got a consistent (laughs) use of side scrolling uh it has you know the emphasis on the rpg elements um it's got all of the things that we named that were unique you know it's the direct sequel it's got unique combat and so on and so forth so i think that (laughs) i i think that i stand by the statement of black sheep but only in terms of it being one of the more unique and distinctive entries in the series. So, but I don't know, maybe we'll see as Zelda goes on, maybe we'll see more dramatically different uh, entries in the Zelda series. But what do you think about that, Katie? Is it black sheep as distinctiveness or distinguishedness even? I, now, now you're just now you're just uh, trying to butter me up. And <laughs> <laughs> you're like, please, please. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I will always call Zelda two of the black sheep of the series. Um, that and Majora's Mask are, to my mind, the the very black sheep games in the series. But that just to me that just is a qualitative statement. What about uh, Link's Awakening, where Zelda isn't even in the game? Well, it's a... Oh, I don't know how much to tell you because you haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, so there's... Let's just say <laughs> there's a... There's a unique... <laughs> you, there's a uniqueness to Zelda uh, Link's Awakening in terms of how it was developed. 
Uh, and that explains why it has so many, like, you know, Mario characters. Mario in. characters. Right, right, right. And then there's a uniqueness to the framing of the story. I'll say that. And why everything is there and what the island is, so on and so forth. Um, but I think that the core experience of Link's Awakening is much more uh, in line with and, and, and in commonality with uh the sort of normative <laughs> Zelda experience as far as what's spread out across Zelda one link to the past, um, you know, Minish cap, all the top down Zeldas. So that's what okay, I'm going to say. That's true. That. That's true. Okay. Whew, I talked my way out of that one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just barely, uh, but I made nice it job. And I still stand by my statement. Nicely done. It's distinguished. Oh, thanks. Distinguished amongst amongst (laughs) the other games. (laughs) Uh, So, did you have another? Did you have another person on Twitter that mentioned someone to you? Um, let's see. So, I I do have to call out Splendid Fox Game, the Splendid Fox, for asking me to talk about what happens when Leighton goes goes into that woman's house and gets full health. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which, I, which I was planning to talk about anyway, but I, I, I'm very glad that it was, uh, it was brought up. Yeah, naturally, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I can't be the only person curious about what goes on in there. Oh, yeah, behind um, closed doors? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody should write a romance fan fiction uh, called Behind... Oh, no. Called The Eyes of Ganon Are Everywhere. <laughs> oh. and uh <laughs> but behind closed doors uh, anyway that's oh my good. god that's hilarious and then i also have to mention uh call out Exicurus one now you you already mentioned this person but um he is actually doing a blind playthrough right now of zelda 2 and i think he was inspired by um some posts that i made and then also your article which i shared about your first time playing zelda 2 so um he's doing a uh like kind of a play-by-play of his experience kind of like play journaling and it's it's really fun to watch uh read that so um i did have to call that out that's awesome very cool nice uh so the here's here's another one from Okay, yeah, I do want to mention this one. So this is from Umbral Ice, uh, who said, Zelda 2 is one of my favorites. It's a solid Zelda game. And then they make this great point. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. Breath of the Wild is different. Wind Waker is different. But they're loved, so yeah. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. Great point. This is from Backlog Odyssey. Zelda 2 is definitely the outlier when considering the entirety of the franchise. Maybe I should start using the term outlier instead of black sheep. Yes! Uh, <laughs> but hey, you know what? I've never offended a sheep once in my life. And that's <laughs> I've always used the term black sheep. Uh, not only was it strange for Zelda to take such a departure from the original, but they, scra- but they scrapped the idea in the games that followed. So... He's obviously referring to, you know, some of the things like the, yeah, so on and so forth. Uh, Can you picture them ever bringing back the Zelda 2 style? A remake, folks. Uh, I would love that. I would love a Zelda 2 remake. The, the, like, the quality of the remake of Link's Awakening Mm. is just so cool. And actually, there are some side-scrolling platformer sections in there. 
that are that are fun. They're very short, you know. They it's are, just like yeah. you go down a, mm-hmm. a ladder and then you're you're now side scrolling. But oh yeah. man, that would and be I would of, be all over a remake. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh you kind of think of like the Link's Awakenings sparseness kind of struck me this last time that I played it. I was like, these rooms kind of feel a little empty and, and stuff like that. But then I'm thinking about it, I was like, this isn't originally like a Game Boy game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. That you're like you're playing, you know, uh what some people have called a port even, not not a remake, but a, just a reimagining of a Game Boy game. So to see though an NES game, you know, like uh Zelda to be remade, especially with the love and attention that Nintendo just lavished on Link's Awakening uh, would be stupendous, I think. I agree, 100%. So last last call out here, this is a shout out to Active 8. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even read this on this, on this podcast, so you're just going to have to go look it up. I'm going to leave a link in the podcast description. Say, Why did my friend steal my clean Zelda 2 cart and give me back his beat-up copy with file names but and then two other names here that I'm not going to say on this podcast. But go and look it up. That's funny. You can't I really think I saw do that. that. that was yeah, you can't really do that these days. You know, like trade carts back and forth. Or it was hilarious back in the day when you'd go to like you know uh, a Seven Eleven or a, a gas station rental or a Blockbuster or something like that. Borrow a game from a friend and then they they have their saves on there and they named Link something like crude. You know, you're just like child. <laughs> See, uh, I, w- I wish I was mean when I was younger because I would have saved over my brother's games with some, oh. some like, you know, <laughs> mean thing. <laughs> like, That's hilarious. Shark face or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm sure they wouldn't have been too happy about that. <laughs> well, folks, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, where can our listeners find you, Katie? So I am, uh, I'm on Twitter at Absolute Katie. That's Katie with a Y. Um, I'm on all of the other socials at Absolute Katie as well. Instagram, and I have a Facebook page, and I have a YouTube channel. So, and on Twitch. So I do live streaming, I do gaming commentary, I do social media, and I have a lot of fun on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, but definitely come check out my streams on Twitch and, um, I'm making some new videos all the time. I hope to be more active there, but, uh, YouTube as well. Awesome. Awesome. And Ryan, where can our listeners find you? Uh, well, you can find me on, uh, Twitter as well, uh, at, uh, uh games w coffee. Um, I'm also on Instagram, uh, games underscore with underscore coffee. I don't post as much as I used to, but I'm working to get back into it. But you're uh, on I also there. have a Pinterest account. Yeah, I'm on there. And I also have a Pinterest account, uh, Games with Coffee. And uh, you can find my stuff on the website Games with Coffee. But right now I'm on a hiatus as I'm uh, focusing on finishing up this massive fanfiction that is about... 10 to 15 years in the making. So, yeah, don't Dude. expect any updates anytime soon. <laughs> well, you can do it. You can do it. You can finish mm-hmm. that thing. That's awesome. You. Yeah. Uh, we believe in you. Ganon believes in you. Link believes in you. Fairy Isaac believes Ganon. in you. Crazy Tracy <laughs> believes in you. Yes. Yes. Oh, so much love. <laughs> so, well, the last thing I want to leave with you guys is uh, 
When I was playing Link's Awakening, you put a fairy in a bottle. Uh, this just got stuck in my head, and, and it's now going to be stuck in your head. I'm a fairy in a bottle. You got to open up the bottle and leave me. Get out and recover your hearts. Yeah. So, Genie in the Bottle parody for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks a lot Sorry, for being on the show. Thanks for ending it on a, on a slaughterhouse note. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I oh, that's not going to leave me anytime soon. <laughs> that's not going to leave me. Well, that's it for MageCast. The spell is wearing off. But stick around for a promo about another show I know you'd just love. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you liked it, please like, subscribe, and share this episode to help us reach a wider audience. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us and our vision for the future of civil gaming conversations with a monthly pledge of any amount at patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons. My name is Katie Cakes, and I am the host of Cake Bites, a podcast adventure through gaming history. I am just inviting you to come along with me on that journey while I interview people who have worked in and around the industry for the last 30 plus years to learn about their experiences and their perspectives to learn more about an industry that is continuously evolving. I hope you guys will join me every two weeks when I release a new episode of the show on all major podcasting platforms. You can learn more about the show at kickbites.com.